with us this morning. Thank you for being here. We thank you for joining us online. And we thank you for all of our visitors who are here with us this morning. You're a, our special and honored guest, and thank you so much for your presence. We want you to know that you're always welcome here at any time you're in town, if you're out of town, or if you're visiting and you live in the area, we want you to know we always welcome you to be a part of our services. And like it was said, I think Landon said that earlier, if you're looking for a church home, we think Bullard is the place to be. So we want to we wanna encourage you to uh, consider Bullard. And if you have questions about what it means to be a member here or be a part of the body of Christ, be sure to ask one of the ministers or elders and uh, we'd be glad to visit with you. I read a story about a chaplain who was visiting in a field hospital and he came across a soldier who had uh, just gotten there that day, uh, earlier in the day. And he was making his visits and he went by this one soldier and the chaplain said to him, you've lost an arm for a great cause. And the soldier replied to the chaplain, I didn't lose an arm, I gave it. And what he was saying was that he understood why he was fighting in the war that he was fighting in. He understood the cause that he was involved in, that he was engaged in. And for, for him and his perspective, the way he saw things well, of course he would like to still have that arm. But the way he saw it was he gave it for the sake of a great cause, freedom for his country. And so I want us to think about that as we look at our last lesson in this series of Jesus is Lord. And I want us to think about the cause that we're involved in, that the mission that we have, the battle that we have, if you will. And, and do we have that same kind of perspective, that same kind of committed uh, devotion to the cause that this soldier in this story had? Our title that we're looking at, our subject that we're looking at this morning is, If Jesus is Lord, then I have a heavenly home and an earthly mission. If Jesus is Lord, I have a heavenly home and an earthly mission. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, but we're going to look at it in two different sections. And the first section we're going to look at is in this first part, verses 1 through 10. And I won't read through every bit of it, but I'm going to read this first section to kind of get us into it, and then we'll go from there. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. 
So we are always of good courage. We know that while we, were, we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now in the previous verses, uh, Paul has just written about this contrast between the light and momentary afflictions of this life on earth and that eternal weight of glory that far outweighs, that is uncompared to anything that we face on earth. He's contrasting the temporary and the eternal. And, and so he's, he continues in this contrast in our passage that we're in in chapter 5. He in, ended chapter 4 with that. And in chapter 5, he continues with this example, this illustration of this contrast between life on earth and life in heaven. And in verses 1 through 4, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 4. We see it. Now, you know, Paul was a tent maker by trade. He knew how to make tents, and, and he did that on the side often. And he uses this illustration that he understood well and that his listeners would have understood, and that is making a tent and the need for tents and a dwelling place. And Paul is saying that our life on earth is like living in a tent. And he understood what that was like very well. And they understood, and we understand, that a tent is a temporary home. It's a temporary dwelling place. It's not your permanent house. It's something that you are in for a short period of time before you move back into your permanent home. And so Paul tells us that if this temporary home, if this tent is destroyed, if the tent blows away, we're okay. Because we have an eternal home. We have a home in heaven with God. So like the song says that we sing, this world is not my what? Home, I'm just what? Passing through. It's just a tent that I'm in. I'm just passing through on this campsite in my tent on my way to my heavenly home. And so uh, James asks us the question in James 4.14, What is your life? For you are a mist. I think the NIV says a vapor, a mist that appears for a little time and then what? Vanishes. That's your life. A little mist. And, and so the, the better and permanent home for the Christian is in heaven with God, not in the temporary tent on earth. And so Paul even says in these first four verses that we should long for the heavenly home. And that's not what we usually see on earth, is it? We, 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 we want to stay here as long as we can. And we understand that from a human perspective. We, we want to get better no matter how sick or, or what the health situation is of ourselves or a loved one. We want them to get better. 
But, but, and, and that's understandable and that's not wrong, but Paul is helping us to focus our perspective to understand, look, what you need to be longing for is your heavenly home. You need to remember every day that this is temporary. You're just camping in a tent while you're here. And your mind needs to be focused on the eternal home. Now, let's move to verses 5 through 6. Now, what does it mean that Paul, uh, that, that Paul says that God has prepared us? You see there in 2 Corinthians 5. What does it mean that God has prepared us? Well, Paul tells us that when he says God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, that's how he prepared us. He prepares us in this world, in this tent, when we obey the gospel and we've been forgiven of our sins, we've become a child of God, we've put on Christ in baptism, and we've been given the Holy Spirit. God has prepared us for this eternal home. And Jesus also said, remember when he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll come back and get you. And so, so Paul's telling us that uh, we can be of good courage. We can be confident because no matter what happens in this life, we can have courage and confidence because we know God has prepared us for an eternal home in heaven and he's prepared the place for us. And, and so let's, let's think about how do you get the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. What do you mean, Paul? Well, Paul wrote about this in other places. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, Paul wrote, In him, meaning Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, that heavenly home, the eternal home, uh, until we acquire possession of it. In other words, while you're in that tent on earth, until you acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Now Paul said in 2 Corinthians there, chapter 1, verse 22, he also put his seal on us and gave us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And so when does God do this? When, when does this happen? How do we know when God does this? Well, he tells us when the, the first gospel message was proclaimed, when the church was first assembled in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And, 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 and Peter had just preached the gospel. And when the crowd heard that they understood the gospel message of Jesus, and he said, this uh, uh, Jesus whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. They, they were pricked in their hearts and said, Men and brethren, what do we do in response to this message? How do we respond to this? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So God has prepared for us a heavenly home with him when we've been baptized into Christ and received that guaranteed deposit of the Holy Spirit that is awaiting that, that we acquire in heaven uh, one day. Now, in verse number 7, Paul says this well-known phrase, For we walk by faith, not by sight. But I want, you to know, I want you to notice, if you're looking in your text, that that's not a standalone sentence. Did you notice that? 
We, we say it like it's a standalone sentence, and it's a good phrase to say. It's okay to remind somebody, remind ourselves of that. It's a, that's a good phrase. But I just want us to understand that that's not a standalone sentence. It's within, it's a part of a sentence, okay? But what does it mean in its context? We can walk by faith and not by sight because, as he already said, we're of good courage. Well, why are we of good courage? Because God has prepared us by, uh, through, through baptism by the deposit of his Holy Spirit for that heavenly home. And because of that, we can have good courage. We can have confidence in our life. And therefore, we can walk by faith and not by sight. Because if you have you looked around at this world lately? It's crazy. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's insane. Why would anybody want to live here? And, and so Paul is telling us, look, you look around and you see how insane and bad and sad and tragic things can be. Now, of course, there's a lot of good in this world. There's a lot of good that people do. There's a lot of beautiful things that God, in, in God's creation. So I don't want to minimize that. But, but you, I want you to know, Paul wants us to see that you can look around and see the crazy and see the mess. And that can let us get discouraged and down and, 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 and worry and fret. And, and what Paul wants us to understand is we can walk by faith in spite of our sight, in spite of what we see, in spite of how bad the situation might be. Why? Because we have good courage because we know we're just camping in a tent and that we have a heavenly home. And I think that's a wonderful message. Now, in, in verse number 18... Paul says, uh, back in, in, in chapter 4, remember, he had just previously, previously said, as we look not to the things that are seen. See, he's, he's repeating this point, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen, that walking by faith, that heavenly home that we'll acquire one day, is eternal. And that's how we can walk by faith and not by sight. Now, Paul told us in Colossians 3, uh, verses 1 through 4, If then you have been raised with Christ, that means in baptism, seek the things that are above where Christ is and seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Walk by faith and not by sight. Not on earthly things. Verse 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, and it almost, it almost just like if he had put it in parentheses, and when Christ, who is your life, like to just underline that, emphasize that, Christ who is your life, when he appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That's that heavenly home. You're going to move out of the tent. You're not camping anymore. You're going to the permanent place. That's what he's saying. Now look at verse number 9, 2 Corinthians 5. And because we have this heavenly home, what do we do in verse number 9? We make it our aim to please him. Do you see that? We make it our aim to please him. Why? Not because we're legalistic rule followers and God's looking for any reason to just zap us. No, 
Not at all. Because of what he's done for us, because of that heavenly home, because we believe in him, our hearts have been pricked like they were back in chapter 2 of Acts. Because of that, we want to live our lives to please him. We make that our aim. When you're aiming something, what is that? When you're aiming at something, shooting a gun, a bow and arrow, that's what you're trying to shoot. That's what you're shooting for, right? So we aim at pleasing God. And so Paul's telling us what to do with our lives. If you're wondering, well, what am I supposed to do with my life? What, what do I do? I want to be fulfilled. I want to have a satisfied life. What am I supposed to do? Well, Paul just told us, make it your aim to please him. And then everything else, your job, your relationships, your hobbies, your activities, all of your, the things that you do in this life will fall in line under that if you do that. You make it your aim to please God. Now, we see that we get this strong reminder that life in this tent uh, will one day come to an end. So it's wonderful when, it's, when, when we're making our aim to please God and, and we know uh, uh, heaven is our eternal home and one day we'll move out of this tent. But verse 10 is a really good reminder that we need every now and then to understand how serious this is. Look at verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or bad. That ought to be a wake-up call to us. That ought to kind of rattle our head a little bit and help us to realize, oh yeah, I need to be taking life seriously, my faith seriously. Now, the good thing is, those that are in Christ have that good deposit in them. Now, you can fall away. Hebrews is, talks about that a lot. You can choose to walk away. But if you're going to make it your aim to please God, and, and He has prepared that place for you, then your life will be in heaven with You'll be in heaven with Him on that day. So how we live does matter. We can't just obey the gospel and then, and then think we're just going to waltz through the, the gates of heaven. How we live matters. We don't earn our salvation, but we live to please him because of what he's done for us. And that is our, our message. That, that's the gospel message. And that's where we are now in, in the part of our lesson. We looked at our heavenly home now we're looking at, in the last few minutes, our earthly mission. So if Jesus is Lord, I have a heavenly home and an earthly mission. So now look at 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 21. Now you can read through all that. I'm just going to jump to the passages that we're looking at and make the points out of them. Now verse 11, Paul writes, therefore. He just finished verse 10 and then he says, therefore. Because of what I just said, everything I just said is in your mind. Therefore, do this, what I'm about to say. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we do what? Persuade others. Now he transitions to talk about our earthly mission. You have a heavenly home? Okay, you got an earthly mission, God says. We, we make it, uh, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, uh, knowing that God means business, He loves us, but judgment day is real, we persuade others. 
verses 14 through 15. For the love of Christ controls us, compels us, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might not longer, no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So that's the person whose aim it is to please God. So you already have, if you're a Christian, a heavenly home and an earthly mission. And I think that's a neat thing to see in what Peter, uh, what Paul has written here. So because you have this heavenly home and this earthly mission, here's what you do in verse number 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Remember they said, Can, uh, uh, who is he? That's the carpenter's boy. Who is that guy? They, 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 they looked at who he was, where he was from, who his parents were. And they said, he's nothing. We, we can't believe him. And he said, you used to regard Christ that way, but you do so no longer. And so the, the Christian doesn't look at somebody's externals, what they see, and judge whether or not they can obey the gospel they, that God wants them. They're going to all souls. Every color, it, it doesn't matter. Every person, because they have a heavenly home and an earthly mission. They don't regard somebody according to the flesh. And, and so then in verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you understand your earthly mission, verses 18 through 20. And here is your earthly mission. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, that's our mission, the message of reconciliation. That's the gospel message. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's your mission. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, we persuade others, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's your job. That's what we're supposed to be about, bringing others to Christ. And verse 21, for our sake he made him who, who, uh, to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ari understood this when she put on Christ in baptism on Friday she understood what this was about I think they're going to mention more about that later Ari's a new creation amen that, that's what we're about brother Cogburn understood that and he gave his life for that all those years I don't even know how long he served in ministry part time volunteer full time many many years he understood that didn't he that's what he labored for, whether it was here or in other places. He labored for that same cause. Brother Cogburn would have said, I didn't lose an arm, I gave it. He gave his life to this mission, this earthly mission. And where's he at now? Heavenly home. You see that? He moved out of the tent, and he's in his heavenly home. He did his mission while he was here. And I'm so glad that we have him as a living example who was among us for so long. Do you need help this morning? Do you need encouragement? Do you need prayers? Are you ready to study? Are you ready to put on Christ in baptism? 
Maybe you just hadn't been living in your mission. You've been sitting back in the barracks, not, not doing your mission. We want to encourage you this morning. If there's any way we can serve you, we want you to know you're invited to come forward now as we together stand and sing.